Let us open the Holy Scriptures to Psalm 103. Continue to work our way through this psalm in our communion services. This morning we come to verse 11. We will read the whole psalm together and then focus for a short while on verse 11. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, So great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 11, we read once more. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Beloved in the the Lord, you notice that verse 11 begins with that important word for. Word for indicates that the psalmist is continuing his thought In preceding verses, specifically in verse 10, the psalmist sets before us the wonder that God has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He is a God who justly could have cast us away disobedient children of Adam. 
He could have dealt dealt with us justly, according to our sins, and yet in mercy, great mercy, He has not done that. In no way does He compromise His justice, but in His unfathomable wisdom, providing for us the Savior Jesus Christ, He carries out His justice, while at the same time, fully manifesting His mercy and the salvation of His people. And that thought continues now into verse 11. In verse 11, the psalmist gives us an illustration, or you might say a a proof, that God doesn't deal with us after His sins. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. God is a God of mercy, and the mercy of God is so vast, so great, that we can scarcely find words to describe it. The psalmist brings to mind one of the the vastest distances that we know of in the creation. The distance between our small little earth and the highest heavens. And even the vastness of that distance is insufficient to fully describe the vastness of God's mercy toward His people in Jesus Christ. And that's the thought that we're going to ponder for a little while this morning as we prepare to come to the Lord's Supper. For the Lord's Supper, the broken bread and the poured out wine, is a very earthly sign and seal, very familiar picture, which sets before us the wonder of this text, that God has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with us as we deserve in our sins, but in mercy, mercy so vast, He has saved us from those sins and brought us nigh to Himself to be His sons and daughters. How? Through the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In the sacrament this morning, we see the immeasurable mercy of God. And we taste it. And we are confirmed in our faith that that mercy is for me, for me personally. Let's look at this verse of the psalm under the theme, Praising Jehovah for Immeasurable Mercy. We look first at His mercy, then secondly at its greatness, and then finally at the proper response, always the proper response to that immeasurable mercy, our gratitude. The text focuses our attention on mercy. Mercy is pity, but pity in a far deeper way than we often have pity for other people. Often when we have pity, or we speak about pity, what we're saying is, I feel bad for you. There's an element of that in mercy, to be sure. But mercy is more than feeling bad for someone. Mercy is a tender compassion that is deep-seated in the heart. It is a tender compassion that grows out of 
genuine love, the kind of love that we have been looking at already in 1 Corinthians 13. A tender compassion deep-seated in the heart. A tender compassion that arises, flares up you might say, when you come into contact with someone who is suffering. And that tender compassion then wants to do something to relieve the suffering of the other person. Tender compassion that is more than just feeling bad, but tender compassion that prompts to concrete action. To lift that person up. To comfort them. Even if it is simply drawing beside them. And being there for them. It's mercy. Mercy can have so many manifestations. Tender compassion for the suffering. Effort to relieve their suffering. Even when that person is least deserving of it. Even when that suffering person has nothing to pay you back. Or can do nothing in return for mercy. That's mercy. To help us understand this concept a couple of examples from the Bible can be brought forward and there are so many one example of mercy extended to another person who can't do anything to pay you back think of David and Mephibosheth children you remember that story after David was established as king of Israel In 2 Samuel 9 verse 1, David asks his servants, Is there any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? The house of Saul, you could say, was David's enemy. Even though David was so close of friends with Saul's son Jonathan, nonetheless, Saul had been his adversary. And yet, when David comes to the throne, he doesn't seek to do what so many other newly minted monarchs would do. That is, exterminate, destroy the family and line of their predecessor. But David, with a heart full of compassion particularly for Jonathan, his friend's sake, looks out and he asks, is there yet anyone from Saul's house that I may have kindness upon? And his servants reply by mentioning Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. You children remember what was wrong with Mephibosheth? The Bible tells us he was lame in both of his feet. He could not walk. He had a crippling disability, which in that day was something very hard to bear. It's hard in our day. But back then, you couldn't have a job. People with disabilities were often poor, cast out. And even though this man was from Saul's family, he had lost much of his land that he would have inherited through his family. And so David summons Mephibosheth to come before him. And David says to Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore to you all of your ancestral lands. And more than that, you're going to eat at my own table. And From that day on, Mephibosheth sat at King David's table and ate bread with the king's household. What do we see there? We see tender compassion that was heartfelt on the part of David for Mephibosheth who was suffering Not only on account of his lameness, but on account of 
the fact that his family had been, according to the sovereignty of God, removed from the kingship. And there was uncertainty how he would be treated. But David extends mercy, has compassion upon this man who can't do anything to pay him back. That's mercy. Another example from the New Testament. Think of the disciple Peter. And Peter's actions the night that Jesus was betrayed. And afterwards, Peter's betrayal of his Lord, even after he had said proudly that though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And then before the night is spent, Peter has denied, openly denied, even cursing in his denial. Denied his Lord. And yet, you read at the end of the Gospel of John, The mercy that David's greater son had towards Peter who did not deserve it. Peter and the other disciples had gone back to their fishing occupation. They meet Jesus at the side of the Sea of Tiberias. And Jesus prepares a meal for them and they sit down and eat. And after they had finished eating, you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Simon, son of Jonas. You love me. Said that three times. One time for each one of Peter's denials of the Lord. Tenderly, compassionately, mercifully restoring his fallen disciple. Communicating to Peter his forgiveness of that betrayal. There you see mercy in action. Peter had betrayed his master consciously, purposely. And yet Jesus, in compassion for his disciple, restores him, lifts him up out of that suffering, communicates his forgiveness to him. That's mercy, undeserved, freely given. And that's the mercy then that the text is setting before us. That's the mercy of our God. Our God is a God of mercy. Yes, He is a just God. He is a holy one. Whose justice is inflexible. Yet, as God's people, we are not to view our God as a stern, cold-hearted, and hard-hearted God toward His people. But as this psalm shows us, and as the whole Scriptures show us in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the divine heart beats with compassion and with pity and with mercy towards His people in their sufferings. And that theme is woven throughout this psalm. That's why the overarching theme of our communion series is singing the praises of His mercy. Psalm 103 verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Later on in the psalm, Verse 17, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him. The psalmist keeps coming back to this theme. What a wonderful theme. God is a merciful God. He is merciful. 
It's not merely that he has mercy at times, but he is merciful. Mercy belongs to who he is. It is a perfection of his being. Mercy is who God unchangeably is. And thus when God comes into contact with his people and their sufferings, this is the response of his heart. Not just feeling bad for his people, but a tender compassion. And out of that tender compassion comes powerful divine action to relieve our suffering, to help us in our affliction, and most especially to rescue us and lift us out of that greatest of misery, our sin. And he has compassion upon us in our miseries, even though so many of those miseries are our own fault or are the consequences of human sin. You can say the human race deserves all of its misery, and that, would, that is true. And yet, God has compassion and mercy upon us, even though we don't deserve it. Even though we have nothing with which to pay him back. We're like Mephibosheth. Lame in both feet. Unable of ourselves to go to God. To serve God as we ought. To walk in the way of his commandments. We are spiritual paralytics by nature. And yet... God in Christ has mercy upon us that far exceeds that tender mercy that David had towards Mephibosheth. For God has given us Jesus Christ to redeem us from the guilt of sin and to rescue us from the power of sin. And he has given us the spirit of Christ to dwell in us. To heal us of our spiritual paralysis. So that again we may walk in the way of his commandments. And serve him and love him with our hearts, souls, minds and strengths. He mercifully restores. As David drew Mephibosheth nigh unto him. Though according to Mephibosheth's house. He could be considered an enemy of the house of David. So to God, while we were yet sinners, gave His own Son to ransom us, to purchase us, to die for our sins and wipe away our guilt and take our condemnation and the punishment for our sins that He might draw us nigh unto Himself. Those who do not deserve it. And so that He could seat us at His table Forevermore. And eat and drink. With his son Jesus Christ. In the kingdom of heaven. And now as we come. To this table this morning. As spiritual Mephibosheths. We are brought by the mercy of God. And seated here. With our God. With our Lord. With our King. We are welcome. He feeds us. He feeds our souls with the bread of life. Taste and see the mercy of God. We're like Peter. We betray our Lord, do we not? 
We turn our backs on Him. We do every time we willfully sin. Knowing what our Lord and Master requires of us and calls us to do. How we are to live before His face. And we say, no. I want this. The way of sin is more pleasing to me right now. This is my God. Not you. I will seek this over my Lord Jesus Christ. We turn our backs upon our Lord. Yet, in His mercy and faithfulness, He never turns His back on us. That's a beautiful idea that comes out of the word mercy in our text here. Often the word mercy in the Hebrew Old Testament The word can contain the idea of faithfulness as well as love. Mercy, love, and faithfulness all packed together into one word. And the idea is that God in His mercy not only seeks, not only rescues us, but He hangs on to us even when we kick and scream and do our best to rip ourselves out of His hands. He hangs on to us. There is a loving refusal upon On the part of God to wash his hands of us and be done with us. Though justly he could. How frustrating Peter must have been to Jesus at times. And how Peter's betrayal must have pierced the heart of his Lord. And yet Jesus never washed his hands of his disciple. That's God's mercy. It holds on to us. It keeps And the Lord's Supper sets that before us again this morning. We come after a week of self-examination. And if we've done our self-examination as we ought, we've seen our sins. We've seen where we, in our day-to-day lives, have turned our backs on God. That immeasurable mercy of God in Christ says, I won't let you go. Not only will I not let anyone take you from me, but I won't let you take yourself from me. God's mercy comes. Comes in His Word. Applied by the Spirit. Turns us. Moves us to repentance. Draws us nigh again. So that we come with a hungry faith for Christ. Do you know that tender mercy of God, beloved? Do you feel that tender mercy as it comes to you in the gospel? Embrace this word by faith. It is a word for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This mercy is for you. For you. And it is mercy that follows you all the days of your life. Till it brings you at last into the house of the Lord forever. When you leave this table behind. And will sit at the real table. In the kingdom of heaven forevermore. That's God's mercy. But now the text has more to say about that mercy. The text wants to impress upon us the greatness of this mercy of God. It's expansiveness. God's mercy is expansive 
to the point of being immeasurable. You can't quantify it. So great is the mercy of God to His people in Jesus Christ. And the text teaches us the greatness of God's mercy by using a figure. A figure that is helpful to us earthly creatures. As high. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. How high is the heaven above the earth? In the original language here, heaven is really heavens. It's talking about the furthest reaches of the heavens. How high above our little earth is the furthest reaches of heaven. Well, from the standpoint of the psalmist in his day, there, there is no greater distance. As the psalmist stood upon the earth and looked up into the sky, how high, how far the heavens reach outward, how far they are from the earth. Now from our standpoint in time and history, can even say that this figure has more power Because our vision has been telescopically enhanced. Enabling the human eye to see farther and farther out into the heavens. Into the outer reaches of space. Past the wispy arms of the Milky Way galaxy. To see other galaxies. And far, far out there the stars that are light years away. It's seemingly infinite. The vast expanse of space. The heavens that are above us. We can't wrap our minds around it. That, that's the picture that's before us. And the text is saying, as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is God's mercy toward His people. It's immeasurable. You can't quantify it. There is no limit to its extent. There is no end to it. There is nowhere that this mercy cannot reach. It never runs out. And it's strong mercy. That's another way to translate the text. The word great could also be rendered strong. For as heaven is high above the earth, so strong is His mercy toward them that fear Him. It's not only limitless and immeasurable in its extent, it's immeasurable and limitless in its power. Power to save. Every human form of mercy has its limits. It's exhaustible. We were impressed with David's mercy to Mephibosheth, but it was limited. It could be exhausted. Never God's mercy. Limitless. Immeasurable. Such is its depth, such is its height, such is its length, such is its breadth. That mercy will never run dry for you. Even when we, like foolish Peter, betray the Lord more than three times in a day. God's mercy doesn't come to an end for His people. It's immeasurable. Think about that. Next time you stand outside, look up at the night sky. Look at all of those stars 
so far away. It's just a little picture of how vast, how great the tender compassion and the mercy of God is towards you, His people. That's only a small little glimpse of the power of God to save and to preserve and to bring you through this earthly life and through its hardships and through its battles to heaven and to the table in the kingdom of heaven. Look at the night sky. See the mercy of God. His faithfulness. Find welling up in your heart the words that begin and the words that close Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Now as we think upon the greatness and the vastness, the immeasurable depths and height of God's mercy, Connect that to Jesus Christ. Look what he came to save us from. The depths of our sin. If mercy this great is required to save sinners, that shows us how deep human sin is. Think of the deepest place in this earth, out in the Pacific Ocean, the Mariana Trench, so deep a place that the light can't even penetrate the waters, it's pitch black. So great is the pressure that such depths are almost inaccessible to human beings. You need the most advanced submarine technology just to get down there. That's, that's the depths of our sin. That's how far our race fell. Yet God's mercy, so vast, so strong, that He can reach down into those depths and lift us up from those depths and lift us so high, as high as the heavens are above the earth. How Jesus Christ, Jesus was the one who came from heaven to earth He traversed that distance. He traversed that distance in the incarnation when God the Son took upon Himself human flesh, became His own creation, became like unto His brethren in all things that He might lift us up from the depths. God the Son came in our flesh and plunged Himself down into the dark, murky depths of our fallen world. And the great pressure, the pressure of that mass of all of our sins, He took upon Himself and bore it on the cross in the lightless darkness of God's wrath brought to bear against Him. And He paid for that sin. Took our sin away. Suffered His body to be broken. His blood to be shed. For us. That he might lift us. Lift us to the highest heights of glory. With himself. There's the mercy of God. The text. 
uses a figure from creation that is helpful to us. But now we rise above that figure drawn from the creation and we look at Christ. And there we see the greatness of God's mercy. There we see how truly immeasurable it is. We come to the table. We look upon the bread and the wine. We receive that bread and wine. We partake of that bread and wine. Mercy immeasurable. That's the visible word of the bread and wine this morning. The visible word of mercy immeasurable to unworthy sinners such as we are. The immeasurable riches of Christ. And so our response to mercy and our response to the greatness of that mercy, our response to the immeasurability of that mercy can only be deepest gratitude. Deepest gratitude that rises to the heights of praise and thankfulness. Does the word move you this morning, beloved? Does it move you? Does it move you in your heart? To hear of God's compassion, His mercy, so immeasurable towards you. Does it move you as you think upon the dark and murky depths of your sin, out of which you have been lifted, and from which you are being lifted to that glorious height of heaven? Does it move you to think about the distance that our Lord Jesus Christ has traversed, the Son of glory who came down into this world for you? went to the cross for you. Your heart moved with anticipation as you look forward to coming to this table. Tasting in a special way that immeasurable mercy. The moved heart praises Jehovah for His mercy. The moved heart sings. And the mouth cannot keep quiet. Let us fill. Fill the earth with our praises. Fill our lives with His praises. Gratitude. For mercy immeasurable. And then praise Him with your life. Thankfulness to God is a word spoken. But thankfulness to God is also a life lived in conformity to Jesus Christ. Thankfulness to God is doing to one another what God has done to us. God is a God of immeasurable mercy. And God is a God who calls His people to love mercy. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. God's mercy is to be fruitful. And God's mercy is fruitful. His mercy refashions His people in His own image so that recipients of His mercy become generous extenders of mercy. Generous givers of mercy. And the heart that is moved by the mercy of God will become a heart that is moved with mercy for others. The God who so tenderly had compassion upon me in the depths of my misery. And I know that compassion. 
My suffering neighbor, my suffering brother, my suffering sister. I moved for them too. And I want to show them a glimpse of the mercy of God. and How I live with them and deal with them. As we come to the table, as we taste of that mercy of God again in a special way, let that be a fruit as well. That we are prompted unto merciful living one with another. As husbands and wives in our marriages, merciful toward one another. As parents towards our children, merciful. As fellow believers, merciful. In our interactions with our neighbors, our co-workers, merciful. As those who have been given mercy, let our lives reflect that mercy of God. Thus in word and in deed, we sing the praises of the God of our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy immeasurable mercy to us. Now as we come to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, grant that we may taste that mercy anew, that our hearts may be moved, that we may sing with our lips and serve with our hands and thus reflect the beauty of Thy mercy to us. We thank Thee for Christ Jesus and for the salvation that we have in Him. May we bless Thee with all our heart and with all our soul for what Thou hast done in Him. Hear us for His sake. Amen.